1: Today on the ZabeCast, the Super Bowl is set. The two best teams, Chiefs and the Niners. It is Grounded Pound versus Patrick Mahomes in that electric offense. Your full NFC and AFC Championship game recap. All the big plays, the second-guessing, the narrative writing, and the oddball sights and sounds. Like, what the hell was Rob Lowe up to? Your bonus 30 minutes of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! (laughs) Ho-ho-ho-ho! Here we go! Monday, January 20th, 2020. Happy Martin Luther King Day, and we are on to Super Bowl 54. It's a good one. It's a sharp-looking one. I am recording this before I have even peeked at the point spread, but I'll get to it by the time... Today's Cast is out. I am still processing what happened to the Green Bay Packers just hours ago. I'm still absorbing it all, and I'm still formulating my thoughts. But if you're a Packer fan and you are not crushed by this result, if you are not devastated, and if you are not humiliated by this, I don't know what to say. It doesn't mean you don't love your Packers with your whole heart. It doesn't mean that you think it's all doom and gloom going forward. It doesn't mean that you thought the season was a fraud. But you should be devastated because these things are precious. These moments are not guaranteed. Who knows when the next one may come? And I know you're going to say, I can't believe you're being this doom and gloom. I'm not being doom and gloom when I say this. I'm just trying to warn everybody to appreciate what you've got before all of a sudden it just sort of vanishes. Because this season almost could be like a microcosm for the entire Rodgers-Farve era. Um, I, know what, I know what you're saying. He's going there, isn't he? This season was like the proverbial George Costanza supermodel bar in Seinfeld, where he finds this place. It's off the grid. It's tucked between two buildings. And all it is, is just nines and tens, as far as the eye can see, supermodels. And he goes back on multiple nights. And then one night he goes back there and it's, what what happened to it? It's, It's gone. A 14 win season is nothing to sneeze at. But it's now gone. The supermodel bar has turned into an empty warehouse. And I'm worried it could be a microcosm of more to come. I hope not, but I worry. Aaron Rodgers will be 37 at some point next season. He is 36 years old now. And Aaron Rodgers is not the problem. The thing is, he's also not the answer either anymore. And the NFL continues to evolve, as it always does. The days of, well, we got Peyton Manning. Oh, yeah? Well, we got uh, Tom Brady. Well, we got Drew Brees. Oh, well, we got Aaron Rodgers. Well, we got Big Ben. Hey, we're all good. Those days are evolving. And you don't have to necessarily have an unbelievable quarterback. Now, the, of course, the, the, the Chiefs do, and we'll get to him in just a second. But the NFL continues to evolve. Aaron Rodgers is not the problem. He's also not the solution either, and he had been for so long. And so now you have to wonder, all right, what next? You could say, well, look, the defense is better. Obviously, uh, middle linebacker, inside backer, uh, other pieces on the defensive front, even though the, the Smith brothers were good excellent this year outstanding against the pass against the run not so much uh Kenny Clark I love him but you got names on the defensive front and they got handled badly against a niner team that just said we're not even going to throw it so you can say well, well we'll plug some holes the thing is you rolled into this title game with the healthiest team anyone has ever seen for a championship game in late late January, mid, mid-January. A perfect team. The, basically the exact team you thought you'd have to start the season. And not just the exact team you thought you'd have based on all your roster acquisitions and everything else, but a team that was playing great. Certain guys that probably outperformed what their expected performance value would be. I would say Aaron Jones outperformed what would be an expected year for him on any given season. He was fantastic this year. Well, he'd be fantastic next year. I mean, maybe, but maybe not. That's the thing. I don't know what it is defensively. I'm not smart enough sitting on the couch like you are to understand why it is the Niners had wide open spaces to run the ball. I mean, my God. And when you see a score like 37 to 20 and you say to yourself, you know, if they'd just shown up, if Rodgers just didn't fumble. No, forget it. The operative scores in this game were 27 to nothing and 34 to six. The game was over and then it was over again a second time before Matt, before uh, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, Nick Shanahan, I keep messing up, Kyle Bosa, Before Kyle Shanahan really let off the gas, if you didn't notice, even my dumb couch football brain could see that they played a basic four-man rush, very little blitzes, stunts, or anything like that, a very big, deep cover shell defense that got beaten a couple of times in the secondary, and that was it. They just said, we're going to run out the clock. Kyle Shanahan took it easy on Matt LaFleur, his old buddy, his former coaching brother, in arms here in Washington. He took it easy on them because they're friends and because Kyle Shanahan knew. Oh boy, I could have really humiliated you tonight. When it's 34 to 6 and you've thrown the ball six times, I mean, that's ridiculous. And I don't want to hear people say, well, they don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Pff, the fuck out of here. The previous times in which teams have won. With a quarterback throwing very few passes, most of the time, it's because the quarterback's not very good. Jimmy Garoppolo is not not very good. They chose not to pass because A, the run was working, and B, Kyle Shanahan did not want to humiliate Matt LaFleur. He could have. You let Jimmy Garoppolo throw 12 passes, it's 53-6, to six, if that, or worse. Or who knows? That's all it would have taken. I'm sure after run, 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 one play action would have caused the Packers defense to collapse like a pile of dominoes. Kittle didn't get targeted till the fourth quarter. It was an hour and a half between passing plays. That is unheard of in the modern NFL. I mean, it really was. I I sat there like everyone else. And I, I watched a a pure white elephant just walk right past my eyeballs, going, Oh, look at that. Look at that thing. His tusk is pink. Weird. Never seen something like that before. I also saw something else I've never seen before in an NFL game. End of the first half. Packers are getting killed. The Niners are driving for more points. There's about a minute to go a minute and change the logical thing would be okay drop anger drop anchor drop anchor on defense keep them to a field goal or less hope they start running out of timeouts and or time so they get crunched for plays at the end the Packers start calling timeouts like the fuck are you gonna do Oh, yeah, we're going to stop him here and we get the ball back with 52 seconds left. Then we're going to go right down the field score. We got, we got to fight to get back in this. The Niners did something I also have never seen. When the other team is taking timeouts that they shouldn't be taking because they're delusional about where they stand in the game and their ability to move the ball, helping you out, the Niners took a timeout of their own on top of the timeout the Packers took with a stop clock. I have never, ever seen that in my life. And I hate to be the guy that says, I've never seen that in my life, watching football. It makes you sound really arrogant and douche-tastic. Yeah, that's kind of your mode, Zabe. I uh, I swear, I like all, like all of us, uh, many of you listening have seen more football than I have. But I've been mainlining football three TVs at a time every Sunday for 10 years now. Never seen that. Ne- never seen that. Like... <laughs> Time out? No, we're taking a timeout. And by the way, the clock stopped anyway. And wh- what are you doing taking a timeout? You know that's helping us, right? Six passes, 34 points. Holy shit. And it could have been way worse. I mean, just imagine if they just started targeting George Kittle with that much success running the football. It it, it would have been unbelievable. Now, it didn't help that uh, Amos got hurt, left the game. Alexander got hurt, left the game, didn't help that J.K. Scott had the sniffles and hit a shank, didn't help that Rodgers botched a snap exchange. I'm assuming that's on him, but again, I'm a dick on the couch, I don't know what who's to blame there, and of course, Troy Aikman was of no help whatsoever, and maybe it would have helped to be more cautious early on and really try to run, 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 and just hold on for dear life, but... In the end, nothing was going to stop. So the season is over. It was a great season. It was a hot season. But I'm not sure it means anything. The NFL is not linear in its progression. Witness the Niners. They were 4-12 last year. I'm going to lay out something here. And it just came to me tonight watching the game. And we'll see where it goes, if this is something that will have legs or if it's just a bad, another bad idea for me. It's called the virtue theory in the NFL. And it could be applied in all sports, but especially in the NFL, the virtue theory. You know what the virtue theory is? It says you are what your record says you are, which is a Bill Parcells saying from back in the day. It's a saying that is also entirely untrue. Because the NFL is such a short sample size sport, 16 games only. And with so many injuries, the heavy influence of officials, and the fact that the ball is oblong and bounces weird, 16 games does not really provide enough of a sample to know, are we as good as our record says we are? The Dick Duran Bears were once 13-3, and three, if I'm not mistaken. Narrator. And they were not that good. So the virtue theory says, A, you are what your record says you are, and B, you're that way because you've done things the right way. In other words, the virtue theory in the NFL entirely dismisses the element of luck. And if you don't like luck, if it's too strong a word for you, if you want something more like good fortune or perhaps good timing, or perhaps any other softer word for luck. You can insert, but the sentiment is the same. So much of it is just luck. It is the Seahawks coming up six inches short that that affords the Niners the chance to not go on the road in week one of the postseason. They would have still gone to Philadelphia, and likely they would have won. Although, what if, in that scenario, Carson Wentz doesn't get speared in the back of the head by Jadavion Clowney and stays in the game and they pull the upset? Or better yet, they go on the road, they win, and then they get fed to whoever, I'm not sure how the tree, the playoff bracket would have played out from there, but they wouldn't have most likely had home field advantage in this, the championship game. It's so much luck. I think the NFL is 50% luck. I think the basic pie chart of the NFL goes like this. 25% do you have a quarterback who doesn't suck. That's the line. You don't have to have a super great one, but you can't have one that sucks. If your quarterback sucks, you're basically done for the year. You're just playing to fill out the schedule and to win a couple of games. So if you have a quarterback who doesn't suck, that's 25% of it. Check. The Niners have that in Garoppolo. Then there's 50% that's kind of luck. And then there's 25% virtue. I'll give the Niners their virtue in that they loaded up with speedy-ass guys on offense and nasty-ass guys on defense. And kudos to them for doing it. But the whole adage of the winners write the history books has never been more true because the Niners are now writing the history book of, we knew it. Like When they they interview John Lynch, and he's all beaming and happy, and good for him and good for Kyle and good for Robert Saleh and everything else, but when they interview the winners – on the podium, no matter who it is. How'd your team go from 4 and 12 to now the Super Bowl? It's a virtue story. They're going to say, we always believed, you know, we got good people in this building, and we, we stuck to our plan. We laid out a vision for the organization that we wanted and the type of character in this building, and we never doubted. It's the virtue story. And there's nothing wrong with it. Feels good. And the winners do get the right the history books. But so much of it is just fucking luck. The Niners are lucky that last year, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. If Jimmy Garoppolo did not get hurt, they might have won eight games instead of four, and they would have not been delivered, the incredible Nick Bosa. Last year was pointed out that Robert Saleh was on the you know, firing line of this guy sucks. This defense is terrible. The Niners had seven turnovers on defense last year. That's it. And you could say, well, well, they had no chance when Scaroppolo went down because it was CJ Beathard at quarterback. Okay. But defensively, they weren't doing shit to turn anybody over. Richard Sherman looked as shot and as washed as could be. One year later, they get Bosa. They add a few more pieces. Quan Alexander was one of them. Next thing you know, They're fucking savages on defense. Some running, a little bit of quarterback, and you get some wins early on, and away you go. Kudos to the Niners. They're a hell of a team. They were the better team uh, by leaps and bounds against this Packer team. And back to the Packers, I don't know what next year is going to bring. You can say, well, they're going to plug some holes. Chances are they're going to be a lot more injured next year. Law of averages just says that, period. Amen. Amen. Roger's not the problem, but also not the answer anymore. So what will be the answer? How do you get this defense to have more ballast up front, more oomph, more nasty up front, and not quite so much just, well, we can pick some passes off and we're opportunistic. And even if you still have a good you can have a good year and go 10 and 6. Be the 6th seed. Have to go on the road, get knocked out in the first round. Ooh, damn, another year. Rip it, rip the page off the old calendar of time. Rogers is going to be thirty eight next year. How many more years does he want to play? And I'm not saying Rogers is, is without blame either. Rogers not jumping on that fumble was a disgrace, just like Cam Newton. Rogers missing throws, and he hit some good throws, which he can do. But he missed some throws. You're like, that's weird. He normally always hits those. Rogers thinking he can still run away from people. He can't. I you know, he has got to come to terms with the fact that the magic act that he used to pull in the pocket is not working anymore. He has to become a different passer in his age 37 and beyond season. And I do think there's a bit of a body language issue there, but I'm not going to get too deep into it because it'll send people, you know, all over the edge. I don't know if Rodgers' body language matches what today's young player necessarily wants to see on a team in the NFL. I think they do want some more fire. They don't want the grizzled old man, I'm here to play quarterback. You all relax, everybody. I've been there, I've done it, I've seen it. I know they all respect him, they all say they respect him, I'm sure they do. I don't know know if Rodgers can turn over a bit of a new page. I'd like to see a little bit more fire. I think there's a bit of a body language issue there. But hell of a season. I love this kid, LaFleur. Thank you, Green Bay Packers, for giving us on 97 97.3 The Game and all of my family in Wisconsin a hell of a season to enjoy and to talk about, especially after the teeth gnashing, remote smashing, aggravating as fuck lost year that the 6-9-1 Packers were last season under Mike McCarthy. Let's hope it continues. Okay. Changing gears. The Kansas City Chiefs are absolutely amazing in terms of their dangerousness on offense. I'm not breaking any ground here. You duh. I pay 5 bucks a month to hear this? No, technically not. You're unless you do Well, I leave my good insights for Friday. This was just a generic insight. Boy, are the Chiefs really good at offense, huh? You like that? The fact that they once again spotted another team and they're building a not inconsequential lead and then came roaring past them was incredible to watch. I'm happy, very happy, as you know from listening to my conversation with my cousin cousin Edge on Friday's podcast. I'm very happy for everyone who's a Chiefs fan, including Brent Boydston, one of my OG Kansas City Mafia types who's been listening to me for years and was so good to me at the Super Bowl in Houston when he got me into the Taylor Swift pop-up concert. Yay, Tay-Tay! Thank you, Brent, and thank you for the photos that you've been sending of your wonderful family at Chiefs games. It's great for every long-suffering Chief fan. 50 years is forever. Mahomes is a flat-out magician. You don't need me to tell you that again. And he killed him with his legs on Sunday. Just absolutely slaughtered the Titans time and time again. King Henry kept in check. The Chiefs improved their defense dramatically from year to year. And Andy Reid... Everybody loves Andy Reid, right? Hey, Kool-Aid! He's going to the Super Bowl for the second time, and he'll have a very good shot at winning it this time around. Is there anything else really of note to say about that Chiefs-Titans game? Oh, here's one thing. I am not going to chase. I'm not going to be one of these truthers about the refs. There is nothing on either game about the referees that mattered this weekend so let's just not talk about them. It didn't matter. Good call, bad call, close call, this call, replay, bitch, batch, boop, jay. I know, I'm the guy that bitches the most. Although I did find it interesting that you could challenge one thing, and once you ordered, you know, you got your ticket for the buffet, you could just have everything that could possibly be looked at reviewed. I mean, that's a hell of a deal right there. Anyway, bottom line is... The refs had nothing to do with anything. And there was one play in the Chiefs game in which the uh, line judge or side judge or whatever judge, down judge, the guy in the line of scrimmage, threw his flag immediately once the play began on a crucial third and one with the game still in the balance. King Henry was stuffed anyway, but they ended up calling holding on the play. And people were like, how can he call holding literally the instant the play begins? Well, what you didn't see was how the... Um, The other referee, I believe Correnti, called holding, which it was, and they didn't really do a good job of announcing it on television. And so when it was finally announced as holding, people just mated that up with the flag that looked like it was, well, this guy's calling holding before the play even begins. Settle down, people. Seriously. All right, let's get to some other things regarding this weekend and the coverage and, and everything else, the, the stuff that really matters, the low-level griping about stuff, the announcers, the TV coverage, et cetera. Gripe number one, my Fox affiliate, Fox 5, WTTG in D.C., Washington, D.C., delivers the shittiest quality of, quote, high definition. I think, but I'm not sure, Fox in general still delivers, pushes out 720p instead of 1080p which is an outrage. 4K was supposed to be here anyway. So here's the deal. I'm watching the game and it was markedly worse, the delivery of the picture to my 102-inch projector screen in the five-hour energy dome. And I could it was so bad, I could even see the little pixelation, the compression artifacts, as they are called. Nerd! I could see those around the outlines players as they moved around on the field. And I'm like, this is shit. Like, the larger you blow up the image, the more you can see the imperfections. Now, I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know if Fox delivers a lower caliber of HD than CBS and NBC. I think they do, but I can't confirm it. Secondly, you know, DirecTV catches the video feed from the local affiliate, and then it redistributes it To me via the dish. I might have been able to, if I put up an antenna, plucked the supposedly pristine over the air HD for my local Fox affiliate, and it might have looked really, really sharp. It might have been, as they say, quote unquote, full bandwidth. But television broadcasters can chop up their spectrum and say, downgrade the high-def signal they're sending so they can have alternate channel HD1, HD2, HD3. Either way, unacceptable. And there was no way for me to bypass this because of the NFL's insane rules regarding, well, you, you, this is blacked out here, you can't get this there, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. That's gripe number one. Gripe number two, Troy fucking Aikman. I'd come to the point where I tried to do something I almost never do, which is to sync up the radio feed while watching a game. Now, this is problematic on a couple of fronts. First of all, it's very hard to get it precise because very few play-by-play men in radio give you a crisp, firm, and third and ten, Rogers. here's the snap. The play-by-play guys need to say, here's the snap, so you can then, boom, sync it up. But once you get it synced up close enough for your liking, because you've got to hit pause on your TV, because if you're listening through a stream, which I was on my iPad, it's got to go through all the internet pipes and up and down and back to you. It was about 30 seconds delayed. Okay, I got it synced up just fine. And I'm like, all right, I'm listening to Wayne Larravee, and uh, he sounds good. The broadcast sounds good. I'm happy. It didn't take more than one half of one quarter for it to get out of sync. And here's why. TuneIn, which is the app that I took a one-week trial to use their streaming, they inserted an extra 30-second commercial um, during one of the stoppages in play. Because they figure, ah, whoever is streaming this game and listening to the radio, they're not – they're not watching the game, or, or if they're watching the game, they're not watching it really closely. They might be out on their boat, or they might be driving in a car, or might, they might be on a mower somewhere. Who th- an extra thirty second? We'll, we'll put in one extra thirty per quarter. That's two full minutes of inventory, and that's how we're going to pay for this thing. Nobody's going to miss two minutes. We'll we'll take out the two minutes at halftime or something. We'll we'll do some shifting and mumbo jumbo. Who knows? Well, guess what? You come back, and it's like, hey, now it's out of sync. So my efforts to avoid Troy Aikman and his endless stream of banalities lasted about a quarter, and I'm not sure there's any other way around it unless I was underneath the -the over-the-air broadcast of the Packer game geographically and could just pull it in via a hard radio receiver Once you go through the internet, people add extra stuff. The sync gets all out of whack. The app you're listening to crashes. They're streaming it. You know, you get stuttering and dropouts and things get all sorted out. I hate it. I hate the fact there's not a button on our TV remote that says, Bye Troy and hello, home team broadcast in 7-1 surround sound. That's what it should be. But no, they're not going to let us do that. I know. First world problems. Some guy on Twitter, as I was complaining about this, said, it's 2020, Boomer. Use a DVR. (laughs) And I said, I was, and now you're blocked. You want to get blocked by me on Twitter? Step right on up to the block party. Use an OK Boomer reference. Blocked. Use a that didn't age well. Blocked. Use a first world prop. Blocked. In fact, there was one other phrase I couldn't remember which one it was that made me say, if anyone says this to me, instant blockage. Somebody did, as I tweeted out, I'm like, 34 points on six passes is impossible for me to get my head around. Somebody else tweeted, yeah, well, it's, uh, it was a Redskins jab. It was, I think it was, what was the Redskins jab? Something about the Redskins sucking. It was hashtag Redskins. And I'm like, hey, oh, is that it? And I said, how about no 11 win or greater seasons in 28 years for the Redskins? That's hard to get your head around. I said, I can play this game all day. You're, you're You're not bruising me and my ego by saying, well, yeah, your team, the team of your birth really sucks. I know that. I'm well aware of it. Okay, what else? What else? Rob Lowe. The fuck? The Joe Buck line was great. He said, and here's Rob Lowe who's at this game. And he's got a new show coming up here. Some firefighter show on Fox. You might want to watch it. And Rob Lowe was wearing a black jacket, a black hat that had the NFL shield on it. That's it. It was, it was great. He literally looked like the guy that would knock on your door and say, uh, "Excuse me, sir. We've been getting reports that you have been delivering accounts and descriptions of this game without the express written consent of the National Football League. You're gonna have to come with us." It was so funny. It was just like, "Wow, is that an alternate ref?" No, wait, that's Rob Lowe. A lot of people saying, "Wow, where do you get an NFL shield hat?" I actually once had an NFL shield had back when I didn't hate the shield so much back when I didn't mutter this league uh I think I ordered it I used to have an NFL credit card I had a redskin one of my first credit cards out of college was a redskins themed credit card and it got me points uh not at shop.com because we're talking 1992 but you would get a catalog mailed to you and you could buy shit off of there for the points that you'd rack up and me being a young man out of college I wasn't really racking up huge credit card bills so i didn't have a lot of points to spend and i think i had enough points for a hat and there was a white hat with an nfl shield logo on it the old one you know with the with the eight stars not the six or i want to change to oh no the old 50 star logo now there's eight to represent the eight divisions I got that bad boy i want that rob low hat right there i do Albert Breer had a screwball take. He said, remember when people were saying Kyle Shanahan just got the job because of nepotism? Yeah, he did, though. That's the thing. Nepotism and being good and successful and hardworking don't cancel each other out. Sometimes the nepotism gives you a head start and you take it and you run with it. That's the case with Kyle Shanahan. But trust me, (laughs) the fact he was born a Shanahai helped him out immensely. But he's taken advantage of it, and he's run with it, and I congratulate him for it. And don't forget, got just a little bit lucky along the way. (sighs) Mike Francesa, Patrick Mahomes is not a good, not a great player. Let's hear this take, everybody. This this should be good. Rodgers isn't good. He's great. If they can protect him, they can win. He isn't a good player. He is an all-time great player. Mahomes is a great player. He's about to be a great player. He's not a great player yet. <laughs> Rodgers is a great player. Mahomes is about to be a great player. What, what is the distinction there exactly? What, what do you have to do to ascend to greatness? Can you be great right out of the box? Can you be great after two years, three years? Like I don't understand I guess this is just a typical sports guy argument. And maybe some would say, wait, let's see him win this game on Miami. And then we'll see if he's great. Uh, There's Astro stuff to talk about. I won't get to it today. The uh, Astro players came out of the woodwork and were wearing uniforms and were talking this past weekend. And they they were dancing around all the right things. None of them apologized, though for the fact that they were stealing signs and some would say, yeah, well that's just the code of baseball. It's like Stanley Hudson in the office. I never apologize. They're the commissioner. This the commissioner that it must've been a fan fest event down there in Houston. Dusty Baker is being interviewed for the job or at least has, I think he's being interviewed flown down. He'd be a good choice. I mean, he could hop into that fast car and, Drive it all the way to a title. That's not without the realm of possibility, stealing signs or no. But uh someone else said, Oh, Jared Carabas said <laughs> the Astros should go full heel and hire Carlos or no, yeah, uh Carlos Beltran. That would be fantastic. Pat McAfee tweeted the Niners team might be the one using buzzers at this point. Yes, that's how bad it was. All right, a couple more. Let me just make sure I'm not missing anything. I got to get you the point spread for the Super Bowl as if you don't already have it because I'm sure you're already a degenerate. Um, got that in. Uh, Mostert running wild. Oh, yeah, one more thing. I think they should space out these celebrations. I think they should space out the games, I should say, on Championship Sunday. Now, I'm not of the mindset, play one on Saturday, play one on Sunday. I don't mind two on Sunday. But they should do one o'clock and five o'clock. Or or one o'clock and six o'clock. Because as the first game was ending, I wanted to watch and listen to all of the celebration and uh and the and the stuff involving, you know, the Chiefs and finally getting the trophy and Lamar Hunt trophy and everything else. But then I was also flipping behind, flipping over to the Packer game because I wanted to see the pregame. I wanted to see the guys come out on the field. I wanted to hear the latest on J.K. Scott's sniffles. And I didn't want to have to be flipping the audio, at least, between the two. Of course, I was watching them both at the same time. This generated a serious flurry of people going, What are you? You're ridiculous, man. I just want to watch the game. I don't watch any of the pregames. Pregame and postgame stuff, it's a bunch of fluff. I agree that pregame shows are forced mindless jocularity. Unfunny, not funny, not funny, not funny. But that's week 5 against, you know, in in the NFL season. This is the championship Sunday. I want every bit of football I can. I don't want to have to choose between listening to whatever is being said on the podium in Kansas City and also getting the scene set for me in San Francisco. Just a little bit of space would be fine. It would give you time to have dinner with your family. It would give you time to run out for more beer if you need it. It would give you time to just watch both, exactly. And then you'd see things like this. This was pretty good from Kelsey. Kelsey dropped an F-bomb when Tracy Wolfson was interviewing uh, Mahomes. But here he was at the end of the game. This was the sign-off from Jim Nance and company on the field. I'll tell you what. It's been seven years coming, baby. I learned one thing since I've been here. You got to fight for your right to party! <laughs> That's it from here. The Chiefs are the AFC champions. And we go back to James Brown and the crew. Now, maybe Nance was being told, wrap it up. Uh, maybe he was being told, okay, we got to go. But that just seemed like Jim Nance understood that you can't beat that. Don't follow that up with another dumb question. Uh, Travis, Travis, that's great and everything, but how'd you guys manage to do so well on the, the third downs? To Nobody gives a shit. Bottom line is, well, you saw the bottom line. Bottom line was they won, and Jim Nance said, I can't beat that for a finish. So there you go. Super Bowl odds, February 2nd. Oh, scores and odds does not have it. Let's go to a little thing I like to call mybookie.ag, and let's just see what they're saying. You'd think they'd put the Super Bowl right up there, and of course they don't. All right, sportsbook, click, loading. Super Bowl, Kansas City, minus one and a half. There is your line right there. Kansas City minus one and a half. Oh, look at that. 38 minutes of me prattling on. Unscripted and without any interruptions. Not too shabby. A little good dollop to get you going this morning. A little intimate me and you. Just talking about the uh, games and talking about football. Talking about life. There. I think I got it all in. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this supplement to your daily Sports talk listening routine ninety seven three. The game six a.m. bright and early. Getter is back from a stupid cruise with his family and a stupid OcPix camera tweet to the CEO. We're gonna kill him for that. We're gonna kill him for being gone this week, and uh, we're gonna try to be gentle on the Packers, but it could get ugly at times. And then the afternoon, uh, four to six p.m., four to seven p.m. When you drive home here in D.C. on the team nine eighty. Join me in Scotland and Sally and uh, we'll have plenty to talk about, including these games and the Super Bowl and a cold winter of no more football except for the XFL staring us in the face. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Tell a couple friends, goose the algorithm, and I will see you next time.